Hey there, welcome to the Product Hive podcast. On this episode, we're bringing you the presentation from our product event, where you'll hear from Catherine Wong. Catherine is currently the Chief Operating Officer and EVP of Engineering at Domo. In this session, Catherine will share the notes she would write to her career-driven younger self, the things she'd wish she had known, the wins she celebrated, and the lessons she learned to help you reflect on your own career journey. A big thanks to Lucid for hosting this meetup. So now, let's hear Catherine's talk, Letters to My Younger Self. So welcome, everyone. I want to uh, preface this with a note. I thought this was a, a Women in UX event, so my talk track is actually um, going to be something that I probably adapt. I love, though, the diversity and how many people came and just the different perspectives that are in this room, because I think that's at the core of a lot of my journey, certainly, and for a lot of us. So I just wanted to make that note. And I am thrilled with the turnout is larger than we had anticipated, but I think that's a great, it means uh, that there's a lot of energy around the topic. There's a real desire to learn and to interact and to engage. And I think if things are opening up, it's just a nice aspect to coming together in person. And of course, we welcome those who are joining us on Zoom. I'm just going to take us through uh, a few thoughts. And Jordan reached out and said, hey, you know, we'd like you to come and and share some of your journey and your experience. I thought, well, how do I frame it? And I thought, I'll just frame it as if I were writing to my younger self. What do I wish I would have known? And maybe through that, there would be something that you might find useful. I will echo what Jordan said. I prefer to have a dialogue. So be thinking of the questions that you would like to ask, because I'd like to reserve most of the time for that. I have a few prepared thoughts just to spark some ideas, but definitely want to answer any questions and have a great discussion here with this group. So, you know, what I wish um, I would have known is first that I will say I felt different. I felt very much like one of these things is not like the other. And I felt like that cat right there. Like I'm standing with the meerkats and we're all doing this. We're doing product development. And there were a couple of things that made me feel different. One, I wasn't native to this region. I grew up in Maryland. So that was the new culture as I went to BYU and then graduated. I was a woman in a very male-dominated space. I was a minority. So a lot of people didn't look like me. And there was a lot of fear, honestly, that came with that. I wasn't an engineer's engineer even. I had a degree in computer science, but I wasn't the kid that was coding as um, we were growing up. I was playing piano. I was... Um, drawing dresses. I thought for a while I'd be a fashion designer. So it was just not something where I felt very classic. I didn't feel like I shared a lot of the past that had brought so many of my coworkers and peers to where we were. And what I would want to tell my younger self is it may feel like this, but it's actually going to be okay. And beyond that, actually, it's going to be pretty great. It's going to be great that you're different. I feel like it all the time, but in the end, I am so grateful for the diversity of perspective, the fact that I was different and that I had um, a different journey and different color to bring to the team and that the team embraced it and welcomed it. And it's a journey for sure, but that's something that I would want to say 
to anyone who feels different. It may be that you're the UX designer and you're staring at seven engineers and a product manager and everyone's got a different perspective and the engineers are very vocal. And look, I was one and I know they've got a really strong pressure for deadlines. They, they feel like they've got to worry about scalability. They've got all these concerns, right? You've got the product manager sitting there with a really loud voice as well saying, hey, I'm talking to the customers. This is what needs to drive the business. And you might see the designer in there saying, okay, but we're also looking at the experience and we're trying to understand how to make it easy uh, for customers. And, and there's a lot of different pressures, right? So I think sometimes the difference can be just our own unique journey. It can be the role that we're filling on the team. And I would say the reassurance I would give is that's really great, actually. We want that. We want the diversity and we want the different dialogue. So I've been asked, like, what gave you the courage when it did get hard? Because I'm not going to say it was always easy to be the different voice. It's not. There are times where things have happened. People say things they don't mean or they don't realize. There's a journey we're all going on as I myself seek to be educated and learn how to um, better work with folks. And it gets hard sometimes. So when I've been asked, like, how do you work through some of that fear or just that it's hard and it feels sometimes not so comfortable? I would quote my good friend, Corinne Clark, where, you know, she always said courage over comfort. And sometimes that's just the truth. We have to have courage over comfort. And this is a photo of my dad. My dad is this little kid here. He was eight years old. They're standing in front of the USS Wilson, which is a huge ship, right? And that's the ship they took from Hong Kong to come to the United States. So they bought passage, boarded. It's a very typical immigrant story. His mom had to stay behind, my grandmother, because she had to care for um, the elderly parents that were still living. So my dad and his siblings and his dad came to the United States. Gave up everything. And so I take a lot, I draw from that a lot, knowing that we are very capable. We are all infinitely capable of doing hard things. And courage sometimes is what you have to draw upon over the comfort. And I'm so grateful to him and to my family for that journey. So I often will draw on that as I look ahead. Because each of us are forging our own paths that will benefit our children's children. We're changing the world of tech. We are changing the faith of what it looks like um, to be here and to be engaged um, in this industry. And it's the same thing, just in our own way. Maybe we don't have to, maybe I don't have to board a ship. I don't have to leave all the comforts behind. But I do have to go my own way and make sure that I'm trying to make it better uh, for the next group. That is an aspect of finding my own path. So the last point I'll share is, here was one of my learnings. It's okay to not climb the ladder. It's okay to embrace the jumble gym of career development. And the reason why I would call that out is because I think it's more understood now, but certainly when I was coming up, it was, I think it was more of a momentum to say, hey, I have to climb the ladder up and up and up. That still exists today. However, some things have changed. One, with the rate of tech and the rate at which we have to develop tech, Having a multifunctional and cross-departmental understanding of what goes into developing software in our industry, that really does help. It matters a lot because what does it give you? It gives you empathy. It allows you to understand what it feels like. So I'll admit, I did a little bit of moonlighting as a quote-unquote design helper 
when I was an engineer at Onitra, we didn't have any resources. So we had cut down to the bare bones and we had an amazing designer. So I did, and I was made fun of for years for doing this, but I would take parts of the UI and help them out. But I didn't know how to use Photoshop or any of the real tools. So I used Microsoft Paint because that's what I had. And you'd be amazed at what you can do with layers if you really think about it, like in sequence. And I, certainly, I have no career in design. However, what I will say is that that gave me empathy. It helped me understand what it felt like to be sitting across from the CTO and for the CTO to say, I would like to, to feel more squishy. What do you mean you want to feel more spicy? That was a word that I would get a lot like, I feel a little more spicy. <laughs> and I think, okay, and I'd look at the designer and be like, do you know what that means? Maybe more colors. I don't know. And we would try and do that. But like, I have a deep appreciation for the functions that are required to build software. And I had the opportunity to climb all over this jungle gym because I raised my hand when we needed a product manager to help because we didn't have enough product managers either. I raised my hand and I felt what that, what it feels like to face a blank piece of paper, nothing on it and to be asked. So what do you think the customer really wants? What's a hard thing? You, oh my gosh. It's much easier to you know, edit or iterate on something that someone's already created for you, like a dossier. But when you actually have to create it yourself, it's hard. So that's what I would say is I could tell my younger self and I would tell anyone I'm growing their career today. Don't be afraid of the jumble tip. Actually embrace it because your multifunctional understanding of what it takes to develop software increases your empathy, increases your understanding what it's like to be in those roles. And you can see better how it all comes together. That's on finding your path. The second topic that I thought would be interesting to cover is just, hey, here's what you should do differently. If I could tell Catherine Long 20 years ago, you should consider perhaps taking a different approach to some of these things. This is what I would tell her. I would actually say you should advocate for more training programs and support for you. I didn't. And I love how much we can learn on the job. And I'm a huge proponent of it. Like you learn by doing, right? And you learn by getting in there and experimenting around. But as you grow your career, I think sometimes I'll say I did not advocate enough to say I would like training program. I would like to go do this coursework or I would like to give myself the framework for how to think about some of these things. So that's one thing that I do think I was fortunate that um, I did work for Adobe for a time and they introduced that. They had a leadership experience program. They opened up more for training in a formal way. And I really appreciate it. I just, I wish I would have asked for it earlier um, in my career. That's one thing. And I think it's okay to as well recognize none of us come out of the womb knowing how to lead cross-functionally through change and with understanding HR considerations, management considerations, budget, how to manage a P&L. We don't come knowing all of that. And it's okay. Be vulnerable and say, I would like to learn that. I need to understand it uh, beyond just the book that we try and read out of. The second thing I wish I would have done differently is be more proactive about asking for real authentic feedback. We've all had the moment where we ask for feedback and you can tell the manager or the peer is giving you feedback, but it's very surface level. And they almost don't want to go into that crucial, uncomfortable space um, where they really have to tell you, this is 
really what's blocking you. And I think you have to advocate for yourself and you have to insist and say, I really, I'm ready for it. Make sure you're ready for it, but make yourself ready for it um, and ask the question. So this is Kevin Lynch. He was CTO of Adobe when I was there and he's now um, at Apple He's on the watch. But I'll share that there was a time at Adobe where I was put in charge of running this cross CU initiative and it just couldn't get it to go. Could not move it. I couldn't, despite best efforts. And I started to think, well, this probably, this place isn't for me. Um, corporate, too big, it's just not going to work out because I'm doing everything that I know to do and I can't get the project to lock in. I can't get momentum on. So luckily, I was talking to Kevin about it and I shared a little bit. This probably is just too big and company moves slowly and whatever. And I really appreciate that he actually stopped and gave me some very good, hard, authentic feedback. And he taught me in that moment something that I've continued to use throughout the rest of my career. He said, it's not the company, it's your technique. Here's why it's not working. You, at the time, I would have these decks and I'd go and present, right? The different, and I'd try and list everyone into donating basically and participating and we got to build this we got to move he gave me great feedback he said you change your message every time you show up to a different group you slightly edit the deck you slightly change it so if you think about scaling that across 800 people it doesn't work Catherine can't do it you've got to be consistent the second thing is it's too unwieldy your deck is way too long you need a one pager you've got to be able to issue the one pager and every time People ask you that question, you've got to bring them back because, again, we're talking a scale of 800, 1,000 people. It's too much for them to absorb. you got to remember as well, they have a lot of other projects. This isn't the only one. Those are specific pieces of feedback he gave me, but it unlocked me. It actually changed everything for me. And I'll forever be grateful. But I would say the takeaway is I don't know if I was very good at asking for that real authentic feedback thing that will really tell what is blocking me? How can I unlock it? Uh, because I think people know the answers. Just if you have good mentors and coaches, they watch you and they can see it. Okay. And then a few last things. And then we'll get, as I thought about what I would tell myself, two other things came to mind and I didn't know what kind of category to put them in. The first one, I would tell myself, invest in your network. It is hard to become what you can't see. For many of us, we see certain roles. We see the company we're in, but we don't see everything. It's really hard to imagine what you can become if you can't see it. And, you know, I will say certainly this is the case for young girls when we're talking about STEM and careers. It is very difficult for them to envision a career in STEM when I ask them because they don't see it. They don't really understand how that could be them in the future. But I would say even for us, as we're growing our careers, it's the same thing. Invest in your network. You certainly have your network at work. Reach outside look and make it a priority. And it's really easy to say, I'm super busy. Um, I don't have time. I've got these deadlines. But as hard as it is, I would say, expand your network. Really have the opportunity to ask questions, right? How do you guys do this? What are you saying? Or over time, you develop the relationship, right? And you can workshop some things. And I can say to some of my long friends, hey, I'm struggling with this. Here's how I'm thinking about it. What advice do you have for me? And because they know me, they can call me on my stuff when I'm 
I'm not quite thinking about it the right way. Or they can suggest things that would be really helpful, right, for how I think about the world. So I just think it's a hugely important thing um, to do is invest in your network. And you guys are all doing that here. So I want to make sure we have enough legal time. The last point I'll leave you with is this. The table has infinite. There's infinite room at the table. This is not a competition. It is about collaboration and cooperation. And I think for, for some of us, it can feel like it's a zero-sum game. And I want to tell you, it's not. So if you show up at the table, bring a chair for yourself, pull up a chair to that table and bring a chair for someone else and have someone else come sit next to you and invite them into that. I think particularly for the women in the audience, I will say, bring the second chair. First of all, sit in the chair first. That's a known problem. It's a known problem where, and I kid you not, I still go into board meetings and still see a woman every now and then, she won't sit at the table. to sit in the back against the wall. So we still have work to do. Pull up a chair to the table, and I know the men in this room would say, you should do that. Pull up a chair. But I will also say, if you see someone sitting on the sides of the wall, pull their chair forward and say, sit here. We need your voice. We need you here. And we want you here. Everyone's got to do it. We've got to pull people towards that table. One example I'll share, when I was an engineer, I had a, a friend that I met through our work, and she was a patent lawyer, Sarah Danzy jones She's very big in, in the women's tech community. She happened to think of me, and she was like, you know what, we're starting to think all the women's tech council, which is now a huge organization, and we're starting the advisory board. I think you should join and I had not thought of myself that way. I had not seen myself that way. It had it would never occurred to me. And I felt busy to love stuff. And I don't even know what that means. And I don't know what I would do there. Why would you want? I'm just an engineer working on a product. And we're just bootstrapping the thing. And but she pulled the chair forward and said, sit here. I'll forever be grateful for it. And I think it, it could be small things. It doesn't always have to be the grand gesture. It could be the small things. It could be big. Um, but that would be what I leave with you as my closing thought is infinite room at the table. And it's up to us to each whole chair forward and say, we want you here. Want your voice. Want you to speak up. If you notice someone's being quiet in the meeting, they haven't said anything. You guys are leaders. You know how to work it in. Say, hey, what are your thoughts? Anyway, those are my thoughts. Those would be what I would tell my younger self. I would love to open it up to Q&A right now and just ask, what questions do you have? What kind of feedback or ideas would you like to do here? I think this should just really be an open discussion. Yeah, Jordan. What? Fake it till you make it. That's the question. I think it's very common to feel that, to feel the imposter syndrome. Is that what you're referring to? Where you're like, I'm in this seat. They, I interviewed well enough to get it. And they think that I can do it. But maybe I've never done it. Or I've never done it in this scenario. I'm a big fan of raise your hand and jump in and do it. Studies have shown that women in particular are more likely to hold back unless they meet all the criteria listed in, let's say, a job description. They just are, we are, versus perhaps our male counterparts. And I think there's some work being done to try and understand why is that, but nevertheless, it is. And I think a couple of things, raise your hand if you want to do the job. And if you're in the seat, that means that someone has the confidence that you can quit. So I would say go to that. But also you're not alone. I think fake it to your make it gets really scary. It's 
you're by yourself and you are not vulnerable with anyone and you don't reach out and say, hey, I need some help or can you give me some guidance? You can cross-check me on this. This is what I'm thinking. And I think if you're willing to be authentic and vulnerable in that way, people want to help and they want you to succeed. I think that's another thing that I learned is I, in that feeling of otherness, I just didn't know how everyone else viewed me. But honestly, if I ask any of you, do you want your coworkers, or peers and friends to be like, heck yes, I don't want to see anyone crash and burn. So, you know, that momentum is there. But I think it's a great question. Ask for help, get the training if you're there. Yeah. Um, I Oh, in a group, I'm not from Gap. I grew up in South Africa. So there are so many in So I guess I'm like, okay, yeah, get that. Okay, so for those on the phone, the question is, how practically do you navigate this sense of being other? You might be a mother returning to the workforce. So you've been gone and your resume shows like, you haven't been in the workforce for a couple of years. You might be getting your degree. You might be um, a different ethnicity, not from the local community and, and so forth. So practically speaking, how do you navigate that? I'll throw out a few things, but keep pressing if this isn't getting to what you want. I think that definitely trying to make sure you find a role in an organization that where you feel comfortable trying to navigate it. And the reason why I think that's important is because I do think some companies are easier than others. And so I was very picky. I very much looked for where I felt the organization and the leadership would be open to me trying different roles, experimenting, and because that was important to me, equally important to everyone. But I think in this kind of scenario, practically speaking, I definitely think you have to look at what does the management and leadership team allow for to facilitate value? Are they going to value someone who's like maybe learning on the job, but very hungry and very you know, innovative and so forth. So I honestly looking at that is important. The second thing is to make sure you identify a really good coach or champion where you're working. Because some of these conversations you're just going to want to have with them and have them talk you through it. In other cases, there will be real gaps in the knowledge. And if you have a champion, someone who is championing you, and understanding what your potential is, and you're able to develop that relationship. And I would say this goes for men and women. It's important to look at that in your career. And you can have multiple. It doesn't have to be one. But make sure that you're really doing that. And in turn, of course, then I'll say, do it for someone else too. And look around. But I think, practically speaking, making sure that you've got that champion. And I've had different ones throughout my career. The CTO at Omniture was one. Kevin Lynch at Adobe was another one. Like, you pick them out, and, and you just know there's a good chemistry match. There's a good understanding. So I think there's that. And then the third thing is, I would say very practically speaking, know what season of life you are in, because it changes over time. So in some cases, the season might be, this is really important right now. I'm going to raise my hand and take on the extra stretch assignment. I'm going to take on, I flew to London and then wound up living there for a year because it was a stretch opportunity to integrate an acquisition we had just done. So that was the time in my career where I was like, yes, I can do it. Right now would not be the season for me. Got three kids at home. So I think just being very self-aware though and knowing and then working with your manager to say, hey, here's where I am right now, but maybe in two years, my kids are going to be out of the house. 
And so I'd like to start to plan for that. What would that look like? And you know, how can I prepare for maybe some other stretches? Does that help get to what you want? Or are there other questions that you would ask to follow up? Yeah, I think it was a, like a million dollar question. So the question for those on the phone is, how do you actually assess a company culture? Outside of Glassdoor, all the things you can find on Google, and then asking point blank in the interview, like, how do you feel about diversity and inclusion? I'm getting probably a very templated response, right? I think so. Part of, if you look at my history, I didn't move a lot. And so take this with that context, but I'm being very honest. Like I did not move a lot because I found environments where it worked out great. But I would say you need to talk to people who work there and that's the network. And so making sure you've got those folks with contacts, that networks, and then as these opportunities come up, you can you know, pick up the phone or say, look, can you meet for breakfast? I just want to ask you. And also people who have left the company, they may touch. And you got to use your judgment, right, on just, but I think asking the people who are in the trenches or a bit in the trenches is a great way. And then I would say, let's say you join and it turns out to not work out. Definitely articulate that. I think always give management the chance, the opportunity to say, it's not working for me. What can we do together? But if there really isn't a great response over time, then I would say no one needs say, okay. So right, I've tried multiple times. That's a hard answer, but it, yeah. Any other questions? Do you wonder about, yes. Yeah. 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 So the question is how, like, what did work to really help get to the authentic feedback, the real stuff below the surface layer? Like, oh, no, it's great. I think you're, you're doing well on this, could improve on maybe X or Y, but overall it's great. So a couple of things. One, on the technique. I think you need to let that person know in advance. You can't spring it on them, I guess. It never works if you spring it on them. They're not, they're not prepared. They're like, ah, and they're going to, you know, lean towards just doing something that doesn't cause harm. So the, I think what you need to do is say, hey, I would like to, in the next month or so, really get your honest, real feedback on how I'm doing. And I'd like you to think about it. And maybe even here are some questions that I'd like you to consider. This recent projects that I did. Can you think about what I did really well and where I could have done better? Because I'd really like to hear that. Or this other role that I'd like to take. I want you to assess me in the light of that new role and where you think my gap would be. And I'd love for you to be very honest with me so that we can then work on that. But I think giving them time to prepare and asking them to prepare is really important to getting below the surface. I think the second thing that's really important is when you do have that session where you're getting that feedback, that's not a good 25-minute meeting time frame because everyone's got to go and they're like, ah, I'm late and I've got this next meeting. I think you want to set enough time for you to go a little deeper and set that expectation. Like, I'd like to book an hour, and so it's fine if it's further out on the calendar, but I really want to plan for this and understand. And then the third thing I would say technique-wise is lots of times these meetings will happen and both people leave. And sometimes there's ambiguity as to what one person took away and what the other person thought happened. So I think really asking, if you can ask that person for a recap of what they feel like we covered, I think that's helpful because then you can triangulate. But also I would send your own and say, hey, thank you so much. Here's what I took away. Here's what I understand. Did I land right with what you were intending? And I think that's really important because sometimes we misunderstand and we make 
we might change behavior and it's unintended consequences. So I really do think so that runtime and after the partner with you on this is a big part of why it's done. Yeah, great. Great part. Anything else? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's a great question. In the jumble gym, have you, what was the biggest leap? And then have you ever had a time where you had to say step back? Oh, 100%. The biggest leap I've made, ones that terrified me on a regular basis, I would say. You have a healthy sense of, I don't know, paranoia or just, ha <laughs> But so I would say I, some of the biggest leaps I made were to running all of engineering at Omniture slash Adobe. I didn't want to do it. I went in kicking and screaming. I had never managed more than five people. And then suddenly I had over a hundred. And so I was terrified. I would say joining and sticking with Adobe was also terrifying because then they were like, you're at this level now. So here's a team in China and here's a team in India and do the thing and run across the BUs and get the project done. And that, that's where I was like banging my head against the wall for a while. So that was hard. And I felt very much like I don't belong here. And I don't know, I came into a different path for acquisition rather than some of these guys had been working for a year to get up there too. So felt sheepish about that. And then even this most recent change, I would say to a COO from the product side, there's aspects for sure where I don't know all the things I've not done it. So yes, it's, I think, okay to feel those feelings. I'll validate that. I've absolutely done things where I realized not my path. I'm going to need to back out of this one and move over to the product management with one. I had the opportunity and what I had been looking for was a company where I could try different things and see how I did it then and, and seek to understand how it worked and experiment. But I didn't, I knew I wasn't the engineer's engineer. So what am I going to do? But I love building products. So I tried product management. It, I appreciated the experience. I learned a lot, but I realized that's not what I'm going to be best at. And so I did some of the projects and I'm a huge fan of that. If you think you're interested in a role, you could change roles or you could volunteer and say, hey, I'd like to do a project in that role. Not trying to move over hundred percent. I would just like to do it. And it's a great way to stretch as a team lead. It's a great way to try different things. So I did that for product management, had enough at that to realize, okay, this isn't my path. So I backed away from that one and then moved to a different area. One that worked out was M&A, merging and acquisitions. I realized that was hard as well at first, but I really grew to love it. And I realized that it worked for my skill set in integrating um, acquired company. So you're, you're going to get both. I think it's so normal. And that's the great thing about viewing it as a jumble gym versus a ladder. So I think of the ladder feels really scary. It feels like now I'm going back and what am I going to do? Do I have to go all the way to the bottom of another ladder and cut field mentally and emotionally very heavy? I think you look at it as a jumble gym and it, you release yourself from some of that pressure. Great question. Anything else? Yes. No. Yeah, so that's a great question. As a woman in tech, how did I make sure that my voice was heard or I was able to articulate what my thoughts were in the conversation? Is that it? And do you, are you asking in the context if you're in the room and you're just not sure how to get, jump into the conversation or, okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So I think that makes a ton of sense. And I'm going to validate that for you. I still, to this day, have those moments where I'll be sitting around the boardroom, the board table, and still wonder, should I say this or I said it? Did that land or not? So I want to validate that for you that it's okay. And I think it's normal. A couple of things. One, jump into the fray and voice your thoughts. If you feel like they're getting brushed off, I would pull aside someone who's trusted in that room afterwards and say, was that brushed off because I'm junior and the point really is that was interesting, but not where the group was going? Or actually, was I just not heard? Could both honestly happen? And the key is to ask someone who you trust. And there, I see some, you know, very familiar faces here who work here and will have worked here in the past. And I will tell you that they want to be asked They want to help you. But I'm looking at Dilla Lister right now. He would absolutely want to hear that question so that he could either say, oh, yeah, it's just because you don't have this context, so that's why that happened, or no, you're right, you brushed it off. And then next time, he's going to be a lot more aware, right? The person you ask will be a lot more aware to say, I think this is a good point. Why don't you say it again? And I'm not speaking for you, but just making sure you have the floor. Both happen, and in leadership training and diversity training, one of the things that we are we're all reminded of is sometimes voices aren't heard, even though they say the thing. And so how do we become more aware to make sure that those voices come through? But I think it's great that you're aware that it could be the other thing, which is I'm just new. And so I think be vulnerable enough to ask the question. And I would say don't wait. You're gonna ask right after the meeting. Because otherwise people say, I don't even recall this. What are you talking about? Or I didn't notice it. Okay, I'll watch for it next time. And then I'll be able to help you understand. And I think I'll speak for myself. I was afraid to do that because I felt like it's so weak or it was embarrassing. I felt like I'm embarrassed to say that I don't even know what happened in there and I don't know how to read it. And the good news is it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's something where if you vocalize it, either changes the behavior of the team in a great way or you get that coaching. Just, I work with a physical trainer in the gym because I don't know all the things. So you have someone there who can tell you right away, oh, no, that's how that logic goes. Uh, and so I think recognizing, again, we don't come out of the womb knowing how to do all this to get training and help and good. So I think it's a really healthy, great question. Hey, I think we're up at time. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. A big thanks to Catherine Wong for presenting, and again to Lucid for hosting the event. If you learned some things from Catherine's talk, be sure to share it with your team, or share it on Twitter, and mention us at product underscore hive. Sharing these talks is a great way to support Product Hive. As always, be sure to check out all our upcoming events. You can find them by searching for Product Hive on meetup.com. And while you're there, go ahead and join the group so you always get the latest updates. We also have a YouTube channel where you can find videos of all the past talks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your feed soon, and we'll see you at one of our next events.